Welcome to all the people who aren't here. I'll hit record now. Um, one thing I was listening to a lot this week was the difference between confidence and self-confidence, which is a nice distinction to think about. So like confidence comes from like doing a case over and over. Confidence comes from like knowing your way around the operating room. Confidence comes from like having done something enough. Like I'm super confident in like making coffee. <laughs> right? Like no, no one would even question my confidence in making coffee. I'm so good at it. And so confidence in that way comes from repetition, experience, trial and error, blah, blah, blah. Self-confidence is the belief that you have your own back, that you can figure something out, that it's okay to try something and fail. Self-confidence doesn't come from having done it over and over again. Self-confidence is more of a decision in you having your own back, right? And so not to be confused with arrogance, right? Because people are like, oh, you don't be too confident. What they mean there is don't be too arrogant, thinking you're better than somebody, thinking that in order for me to be up here, somebody else has to be down here, putting somebody else down to feel power in that position. That's what arrogance is. Very different than self-confidence, right? Which is, I've got my own back. I'm going to figure it out. Like, my talk isn't ready for this national meeting on Saturday, but like, I'm going to figure it out. It's okay. I've given like so many freaking talks at this point in my career. Like I could have no PowerPoints and do a great job. Um, so that's a kind of a combo of like confidence in the fact that I've given tons of talks, but self-confidence in like, I'm not going to beat myself up over not having this talk done. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find some time to polish this thing. Like instead of deciding like, to beat myself up over it of like, Kelly, here you go again, not being prepared, blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, all of that self chatter is very optional in how we think about ourselves. And what a very useful tool is at some point is like to get a pen and paper. I would say pen and paper over anything else, over just thinking it, right? If you just think it, it doesn't kind of get out of your body and out of your mind so you can like look at it. Like writing stuff down is really awesome. Um, of like writing down what your chatter about yourself is. That's called a thought download. But to be able to see, wow, I'm really hard on myself. And I'm not hard on like other people, right? And then being able to like see that and be like, is it possible that this harshness is completely optional and I've been trained that way or maybe my parents ingrained that in me or maybe our surgery training ingrained that in us, whatever it might be. But to be able to actually see that voice and to be like, going forward, is this how I want to talk to myself? Is this how I want to carry myself through the life? What's the upside of being super harsh to ourselves. And some people would say the upside is like, that's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me, you know, from making mistakes. It's what pushes me to succeed. And I would say all those things are possible without being harsh to yourself. We just think we want to justify that being a dick to ourselves is like good for something. And I would argue it's actually detrimental to us. And who would we be in succeeding to those things without that negative judgment? And so thinking about self-confidence of like having your own back, 
I'm going to figure it out. It's okay to fail. It's all right to try. It's okay to not know. I'm going to figure this out. I got my, I got myself like can be a, a very big game changer in the way we talk about ourselves. And it's not something where you're like, well, I haven't had experience in talking. It's like, no, you can just start. You can just decide. And it might feel very awkward for a while to self-love. I was watching this thing yesterday on like what the meaning of life is. And of course, like they're probably, who knows who who the boss on the meaning of life is. But basically it's like discovering yourself, understanding yourself, getting to know yourself, trusting yourself more and more and more and more as we age some people, the the speaker I was listening to said, that's the meaning of life is like understanding your body, understanding your triggers, understanding your personality, understanding what you love, understanding why, why, what you hate of like all that personal growth. And I think so many people walk around like pissed at their body and they're an asshole in their brain. And it's like, it's all optional. You guys, It's, it's all optional chatter. Um, so yeah, in my evolution, I was like, I'm good. I think I've mastered this, blah, blah, blah. And I would say that's just like a phase in coaching where you're like, yeah, I'm good now. I understand all the tools. And it's like, no, 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 this personal, this personal growth and like understanding yourself keeps going. And then your aunts get crazy because your grandma died. Can you talk about coaching yourself in the OR while you are doing a case that's difficult and battling thoughts of, I shouldn't be doing this? Yes. Freaking fantastic question. So surgery is hard. Okay. That's a thought. I know. I understand. But like, it is not textbook many times, right? Like, we train as well as we can and then you get into some shit like and sometimes real like just realizing that of like and the using the thought of nothing's gone wrong here right nothing's gone wrong this is how it is this is where i am right now right because that i shouldn't be doing this is basic is kind of like the panic fight or flight like surge of adrenaline of like holy fuck Right. And to realize, like, to be able to see that, which in the fact that you like were able to write even write that down as a question, you're seeing it right. Like you're seeing what your brain does when it's stressed and and you're able to be like, oh, is this useful for me? Is it not? But I think to just acknowledge that, like, yeah, your brain doesn't want to freaking be there. Right. It's stressful. It's adrenaline. It's fight or flight. You want to get out. And then it's that like, you know, self-confidence part of like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. You're going to get through it. When you're done, you're going to learn something from it. Don't try to just, just do, don't learn (laughs) while you're in there. But realizing like my brain is braining. I love brain's going to brain. Like that needs to be a t-shirt. Brain's going to brain. Brain's going to brain. Brain's going to freak out. We are highly trained. Our residencies, although traumatic, are exceptional in training surgeons. Nearly universal in the United States of America. We are highly trained. It's good to know, right? Um, And to be like, 
you might not have seen this anatomy before or this bleeding or this whatever, but you're going to get through it. You're absolutely going to get through it. And being able to see that panicky part of your brain creates space between that being something you have to listen to and that being something that like, of course, brain's going to freak out because I'm here and I don't want to be, but I'm going to pony up and take the next step. And so it's really understanding, like we have to, to think about, like we have two different brains, right? Like we've got this brain stem and then we've got, so like ancient reptilian for the people who like to call it reptilian, ancient fight or flight reactionary protect myself, stay in the cave, right? And then we have this neocortex over it, the frontal lobe, the all the logic stuff that comes over it. And so when you see that, you can be like, okay, this is the brain that's freaking out, who's like, what the hell are you doing here? This is the brain who's like, I see that. I see that you're freaking out. Yeah, this is not optimal. Let's pony up, get the job done, right? When, and when you, coaching, I believe, is developing this guy right? Sorry for the people on the podcast because you can't see my awesome hands. But it's coaching is developing the frontal lobe, the thinker, the observer part of the brain to be like, I see my brain freaking out right now. I'm going to choose to not listen to it because I got to get the job done. Versus you totally responding to that limbic system adrenaline of like, I shouldn't be here. I need to get out. Well, if, if you're obsessed and totally just focused on that, it's possible you're not going to be as successful at getting the job done because you're trying to solve for this instead of being like, brain's just going to brain and freak out right now. Totally. Take one step back. And I, and I would say this all happens very quickly, right? When you do it, but the more you can reflect on it in a coaching session or journaling afterwards, or just like reflecting on when it's happened, that's the time when that neocortex frontal lobe develops and to be like, oh, my brain, of course my brain's freaking out. It does not mean anything like anything's gone wrong to the point where I can't handle this. But I think it's those steps of like, before there's, you know, before there's coaching and stuff, we just believe our primitive brain all the time. We just believe it. It says a thought, it must be real. Right. And the work of coaching is to be like thoughts come and thoughts go and some of them are true and some of them are optional and some of them are dicks and I get to see that and like understand the weather patterns of me understand the weather patterns of like when shit goes down in the operating room I'm a dick to myself or I think that I can't handle it or I think that blah 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 once you start understanding the weather patterns of yourself you just get so much more power over like watching the clouds come in, watching the sun come, all that stuff. Let's see if I answered that question. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the question again, can you talk about coaching yourself in the OR while you are doing a case that is difficult and battling thoughts of, I shouldn't be doing this? Yeah. Um, so I think the first part is just seeing it, right? It's The first part is always just acknowledging like, I'm having a thought that I shouldn't be doing this right now, right? And just realizing like, it's a thought, I'm going to let it go. Or working on thoughts that feel, also feel true to you um, of like, I got this. Of course I'm freaking out right now. Everybody would freak out right now, right? I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get through this. Um, 
anything that feels true, right? To Because the thought of I shouldn't be doing this feels very true. So you can't pick a thought that doesn't feel true. Like I'm the most amazing surgeon in the tri-county area. Like, you know, like picking up something that's totally fake to you is not going to, not going to help. Um, but just seeing the thought and then picking a different thought that's equally true to be like, yeah, would much rather be drinking a latte with a best friend on a lake, but that's not where I am right now. I'm going to get through this. So, okay. Thank you. Answered the question. Good. All right, my friends. That was a great question. This stuff is life-changing. Even more life-changing if like, and I know this group is like decently anonymous because that's how we felt female surgeons would feel the safest to be in a group like this. Um, but finding people around you or even even just finding this group bonus lucky points if you have like a brother or a sister or a cousin who like understands thought work and mind work and you can like actually talk in that language to them about it it's fun super fun if you go up to the average person you're like well you know that's just a thought like they don't understand the brain as much as we do right but finding the people in your life where you're like dude my brain is an asshole right now or I'm just totally reacting to blah, blah, blah right now. It's pretty fun to be able to speak that language. All right, let's bring on Sunflower. Sunflower friend. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yep, you're good. Okay. Well, I, had, I actually had two questions. The first, um, with what you're talking about with thought work, are there any books that you recommend if that's something I want to learn more about would be the first question. <laughs> yeah. Um, Martha Beck is pretty good. She's like, you know, Oprah's coach basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Martha Beck is a good one. Byron Katie is kind of like an OG, like a original thought work person. Um, she might be a little woo just in like, if you're, if, if, if you're, would I, would I have a beginner do Byron Katie? I don't know, because she will she will take any thought you have and basically like disintegrate it <laughs> and be like, is it true? What's the opposite? Is the opposite true? Like really break it down. She she's amazing. Um, I love Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, just for being mindful in the present moment. Eckhart Tolle is amazing. He's got an amazing podcast also. I, I mean, he's not really coaching so much, but like Coaching is just like ancient philosophy, stoicism, Buddhist philosophy. Like it's just kind of all this. It's not new. Um, the Life Coach School podcast, if you haven't found that, is awesome. And that's Brooke Castillo. She's got some books. They're probably available on Amazon. Um, they're not. They're not huge, but like I think she does a good good job of that. Um, who else can I recommend? Yeah, so that'll keep you busy for a couple months. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm going to start commuting soon, so a podcast would be good. Too. Yeah, podcast. Uh, I'd say the Life Coach School podcast, uh, Eckhart Tolle podcast, and then depending upon if you click with her personality or not, there is um, a podcast called Unfuck Your Brain. By and it, unfuck like fuck the the U has an asterisk in it. Um, she is a Harvard lawyer turned life coach who is kind of like this badass, 
badass feminist and uh, really talks a lot about like thought work, challenging your thoughts, trying not to be a dick to yourself. <laughs> so she's been, some people think she's just a little too East coast harsh, but I, some people, you gotta like find the right. Like she'll balance Eckhart Tolle real nice. Cause he's like the Buddha up sitting on the chair. Okay. Um, so I mean, they've all got different personalities. Uh, so yeah, if, if you're commuting and like podcasts, unfuck your brain, especially like the earlier unfuck your brains are, uh, are really good. I like loved her for a long time and now I'm kind of like, meh, but I just listened to her this week again for an episode and I was like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's really successful at it because she's like such a student of the work and coaching and stuff like that. Okay. Um, there is Nicole LaPera has a book. She's, she's the holistic psychologist on, now I'm just giving you like all my content, um, she is a psychologist, does a decent amount of mind work, but also does a lot of like how how our like childhood trauma. And I would say, you know, she doesn't talk about surgical trauma, but I would say our medical training basically creates this like shitty voice in our head and being able to unpack like, oh, maybe that's not me. Maybe that's like all my trauma from my childhood and surgery training. Um so just kind of gives a nice lens on that. Her book is called How to Do the Work. It's not really, I think it's not like I'm a coach, but it's more like understanding your thoughts and healing and self-love and stuff like that. She doesn't have a podcast, but I really liked her book. She's got a workbook too. I haven't done her workbook. Okay. More than you wanted, but at least like, I'd hate to give you one and like you not mesh with one of them and then be like, all oh, this is shit. But no, I try more than one. Yeah, like there's so many different personalities that do it. Yeah. Okay. And then my second question was more related to how do you not, I guess, ruminate would be the word over, like, I'm leaving your current position and I'm leaving for a lot of reasons. But obviously, you know, when you give notice and you're working, um, you're still in the environment that you, are leaving because you didn't like it. And I'm sure I'm driving my husband absolutely up the wall because it's like, you know, why are people doing this? Why? And he's like, that's why you're leaving. It's terrible. <laughs> but not being able to stop having those thoughts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, super common. I think women do it way more than men do. Right. Like our, our poor husbands are like, you made a decision, move on. And we're like, oh. <laughs> But why are they doing it? That's my question. He's like, because they're shitheads. Like, you know? Right, right. Well, and I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different pieces to it, right? Of like us trying to figure out other people. I think there's a sense of like us wanting to have control there of like, if only I understood, I could change it or make it better. And yes. it's like releasing the power to understand other people, control other people or make other people better. Yes. <laughs> then that's like a lifelong job welcome to doing the work yes. of like, I mean once you like once it clicks and I would say for me like I'm stubborn I'm a type a and like coaching was not something that I was like 
I, I, I just want people to know, like, this did not come natural to me. And I, I like worked very hard. And now I'm like, oh my God, it will change your life. You should totally do this. But um, like once it clicks of like other people are going to do what other people want to do. And you just let them do their shit. Like it is, it'll change your life. Yeah, I think it's just when people are being nasty, it's like hard to not take it personally. Totally. 100%. But like it's our it's our innate like we're we're animals that exist in community. We need other people, right? And when they're harsh to us, it's devastating cuz back in the day you were going to like get kicked out of the cave and die and starve. And like you're not going to anymore. And when you start realizing other people's shit is because of their unmanaged mind, their past trauma, and their own shit, and has nothing to do with you. And then you're like, that's a game, game-changing concept. And then, like, you can take it personally, you know, take it inward of, like, whenever I'm a dick to somebody, that's my own shit. It's not them. No, I think that helps. I think I just need to keep repeating it. Oh, yeah. Like, there, there's there's never, like, this nirvana where, like, you're going to be, like, can I just be surrounded with people who've, like, done a ton of work and managed their own <laughs> mind? And, like, <laughs> that would be, like, it, it does not exist on Earth, except for maybe, like, a meditation retreat somewhere. But, like, we'll always be around people who, like, they just react. Right. Just like yeah. the world is just a bunch of reactive people. And once you like get that and can see that it gives you so much power because then you're like, I can decide if I want to react or not. And but most people, they, they don't get to that step, whatever step that is of like they're just reacting to the world their entire life. And the, and and therefore they don't have any power because they're just reacting to like whatever tweet came in or whatever patient got pissed off or, you know, the OR being late, which you have no control over. And it's like, you get to decide how to react to all of that. And then it gets to the point where like, once you get to the point where it's all silly and funny, you're like, Oh my God. Like can't, can't fix this. Can't fix that. Can't fix that. All right. Well, what am I going to do? Drink some coffee. Yes, I think that's where I struggle because my engineering mind is like, I was an engineer before I became a doctor and it's like the, I want to fix it. I know how to fix it. I can see how to fix it. Or, you know, if you stop doing that, things would be better. Yo, totally. And I mean, I think, you know, I'm very interested in like how the culture of medical training, like kind of creates the dysfunction that we all then have to spend the rest of our lives with. But like this, like we were taught, like go into medicine to change it. You know, like you're taught, like you're the one to change it. And it's almost, it's like almost this very traumatic thing of like, but you can't, you can't change a multi-billion dollar system that's going to exist whether you're there or not. Right. And, but you're like, I'm going to change. I, I see how this is all broken. Don't you see how this is all broken? Let me tell you what to do. And that person is the person who ends up getting burnt out and fried. Yes. And the system just keeps going. And I, like, I never want anybody to hear me say that and to be like, she thinks it doesn't matter if you're there or not. It's like, no, it does matter. 
but like you, you got to preserve yourself and your sanity and your energy and your family over anything else. And some system, some yeah. of these systems are, they're too big. Like you just literally can't, you don't have that power. Like we're amazing surgeons, but we're not the CEO of the hospital, you know? And even the CEO of the hospital will tell you all the things they can't change. True. True. Right. But it's, I think it's us, us believing it's the thought of like, if only X, Y, and Z, then I would be happy. And then you're like, oh, I can be happy right now. Game changer. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Totally. Thanks for being here. I hope, I hope one minute of this whole thing helped. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>